0: With your powers combined, we are
1: Fan holes. Go, go, go Fan, fan, fan holes.
2: Holes.
1: Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. <laughs> wow. Of <laughs> all hey, well, the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me.
0: <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> you know?
3: Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just
2: wanna know who is the consultant. He <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> Nobody's
0: gonna relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll
1: okay. do it, but I wanna be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fanholes should we like go crazy?
2: How does my
0: stupid boy? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job.
3: No one gets us, because we don't explain it.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another spooky dookie episode of Fan Holes. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, here to celebrate Halloween with everybody. And I'm joined tonight by two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes to talk about a scary movie tonight. So why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here trick or treating tonight? Hey,
3: I'm Mike, and my skin appears to be
0: melting off.
1: Hey, this is Justin. No candy corn.
0: Yeah, you gotta see a dermatologist about that, man. Oh! Looks- it's really reanimator-ish to me. So, but I, I I don't know if people could figure out what we're about to go into based on that. This was a suggestion to look at a Toho film from our good pal Justin, and the film that we're looking at tonight is the 1989 Japanese film titled Sweet Home and by the title you might think like it's this like you know fun romantic comedy or something about you know two japanese lovers or something but in actuality it is in fact a haunted house movie and it gets quite gory as the film continues and i did kind of whip up a little mini synopsis so i think if you if you're interested by the way it is also a video game so i i know it's like you know well by now what is it nineteen eighty nine that's like you know ninety two thousand what is it like a thirty something thirty six-year-old game by this point or whatever but if you're interested in checking out the movie Or, if you're interested in playing the game first, because apparently a lot of YouTube reviews I ended up watching, just because I was curious about the video game as well, kind of stated like, well, if you don't want the game to be spoiled, you shouldn't watch the movie first type, you know, recommendation. So, if you have any fears or, you know, aversions, then I would say, stop listening now, go hurry up and play the damn game, or watch the movie, and then come back and listen to this. But... Now I'm going to go ahead and get into like a little mini synopsis on what the film's about. And then I suppose we'll just kind of, you know, talk about our, you know, what our thoughts are and all that kind of stuff afterwards. But here we go. A TV production crew are making a documentary about the infamous painter Ishiro Mamiya. The team intends to restore and publish several of his precious frescoes as well as film a documentary about Mamiya and his arts. The team of five documentary filmmakers includes TV producers Akiko and the widower Kazo, Kazo's daughter Emmy, cameraman Taguchi, and star reporter Aska, who specializes in professional art restoration. When they start filming at the old, abandoned, dilapidated Mamiya Mansion, paranormal events betray the presence of a poltergeist, an unknown woman who threatens to kill all trespassers. Asuka is possessed by the infuriated ghost, and the team discovers a makeshift grave where a young toddler is buried. The team discovers that the ghost is that of Lady Mamiya, Ichiro's wife. It is revealed that 30 years previously, Mamiya's two-year-old son had mistakenly been burned alive while playing in the mansion's furnace. The distraught Lady Mamiya who turned on the furnace, attempted to provide playmates for her son by throwing other children inside the same furnace. Once discovered and confronted by the local villagers, she committed suicide, and her spirit, unable to forgive herself, became trapped in the shadows of the mansion. Emmy, transfixed on the loss of her own mother, is the most susceptible to the call of Lady Mamia, and is lured into her clutches. Eikiko manages to save Emi from Lady Mamiya and snap her out of her trance by wearing the nightgown of Emi's dead mother. In the end, Kazo, Emi, and Eikiko are the sole survivors. They reunite Lady Mamiya's ghost with the remains of her beloved son, bringing the incensed poltergeist some peace. After father, daughter, and surrogate mother leave the Mamiya mansion, we can see it begin to crumble and eventually collapse. And that's kind of in a nutshell, the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am version of Sweet Home. So I'm kind of I'm glad you mentioned this, Justin, because this is this is something like I said that Justin came up with, but it wasn't anything I had ever heard of before. And it's kind of it was very fascinating to not only watch the film, but sort of research all the the tie-ins and the the kind of influence it had and influences that it came from as well so I thought that was really kind of cool but do you want to go into like how you first learned about this film Justin and kind of why you you brought it to the table
1: I first learned this film um I was watching like a YouTube series like a retrospective on the history of Resident Evil um this was about five or six years ago I believe, and it's it started talking about this Famicom game called uh, Sweet Home, and I was like, "Well, what you know, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this." And then they were, you know, saying it was a, you know, the uh, a a movie and the uh, the game were released pretty much simultaneously, and uh, the the game basically was uh, kind of the uh, inspiration for for uh, Resident Evil, and I was like, "Oh, that's." That sounds pretty interesting. I want to try and uh, track down a copy of this uh, movie. So, like, I, I sat down, you know, I I found a copy on YouTube because, you know, e- even though this movie and, and the game are, like, you know, uh, I guess kind of uh, have cult status now, uh, the, the movie, it seems, has kind of, like, fell into obscurity. Like, there's not even a, a DVD release. Like, you could uh, – you know, you might could like import uh, in, an expensive VHS copy, but you know, you're you're pretty much just better off, you know, watching it on YouTube, which is what I did. Yeah, you know, I I watched the movie and um, it kind of reminded me of like a lot of other stuff, like maybe um, like mm-hmm. the mother, she her like origin story kind of reminds me of like Freddy Krueger a little bit.
0: Ah, okay, yeah, with like the whole the whole furnace aspect of it and how like the the people in the town kind of track her down because she's. Essentially murdering their children and everything, and and she almost has like this perverse kind of, I guess, I'm I'm trying to think of what the right word is, but maybe entitlement, you know, where it's like, well, my my child died and he needs playmates, you know, like if you like like it's okay to throw somebody else's kids in the fire or you know that kind of thing, and you know I don't know they they kind of you know have that weird aspect in in the Freddy Krueger series as well. I I, I thought there were some interesting tie-ins as well. Like I I thought it was interesting that I I think this film was kind of inspired by The Haunting, and that's like an old 1963 film, but then they, they remade that years later into that horrible ass movie with Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. and, and Owen Wilson and everything and then Lily Taylor, I think. And I was just like, man, that re- th- 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 there's another reason why <laughs> I, I'm so turned off to remakes. There's a good example of that. But but uh, again, it is it does kind of start out as a haunted house movie. So, so there are plenty of things I'm sure we'll end up talking about that either inspired this film or actually in the future inspired other kind of horror and video game franchises and everything. Did did you want to talk about like all the sort of main cast of characters? Because I know some of those also reminded me of like certain films and movies and everything. Like I, I kind of thought Ikiko, like she's kind of the survivor, and in some sense, at least in the film version, she's portrayed as a, a strong female protagonist who's a survivor. So I I, I think I, I I not to not to uh, ruin my joke for some other characters, but I, I kind of thought of her as like she reminded me a bit of a Sigourney Weaver type character yeah. you know that that she was she was a strong female lead that you know especially when you know the sequence where she goes back to try and save Emmy and she puts on Emmy's mother's dress and everything and there's all those kind of crazy lights and you know the the ghost essentially of lady mamia is uh or mamia is, is 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 you know has all the, you know, I don't know, like, she she looks like she's something out of the reanimator where, like, little babies are popping out of her neck, and, you know, I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, she's this weird, large, scary thing with backlighting, which kind of reminded me of the Alien Queen in some ways, you know, and, and you know, guys getting torn in half, you know, kind of like Bishop and all that kind of stuff, you know, going on in this haunted house, and so I, I did expect a scene where she's like, you know, Honore, get away from her, you
2: bitch! Or
0: whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. So, but, but, I mean, she definitely has that sort of whole surrogate mother feel where, like, you know, Ripley was going back for Newt, you know, at the end of Aliens and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I, I was gonna say I did notice like the alien sort of parallels too, where I was kind of like, yeah, like the little girl was like new and she was yeah Ripley, and even even like the the like sort of monster like ghost form of. Uh, you know lady uh whatever her face was the ghost like it kind of reminded me of like the silhouette kind of of like the
0: alien almost yeah she looked she looked really really creepy i mean i i did think the way like she because they they try to tie in stuff with the the she has sort of a melted face and that kind of reminded me of things like reanimator you know where where they have all these weird or like Or like From Beyond, where the guy's face is all stretched out and and freaky looking and everything. And then, you know, it kind of goes into even more, you know, extremes, especially towards the end, like you said, where it's this kind of tall, lanky, you know, inhuman looking kind of ghost and everything and and, you know the the other thing that i thought was interesting was for for a while in the movie i mean i i have to be honest like the first 40 minutes of this film it's it's what it's like about a hundred minute movie like the first 40 minutes of the film are all set up and i think like i i felt like i i was i i was getting a little irritated where i was kind of like i was kind of like fuck man like there, there were lots of like sort of false, like, scares and yeah. deaths where, like, you know, they didn't really die and and they nothing really happened where, like, you know, when they first come into the, the haunted house, I mean, first people are trying to shoo them away, like, don't disturb these spirits because it's a bunch of bad juju out there. But the, the, the false scares, like, the moment where, the you know, the, the house is shaking and there's all this, like, weird noises and everything, like, that's fine and creepy and everything, but then, like, that first moment where like the pillar falls and and nearly hits Kazo, like at first I was like, man, that would fucking hurt if it landed on, you know, like you'd be dead if it landed on somebody. But of course, it it just barely misses him and he's dusty and they all sort of laugh it off as like, oh, this is just an old house. <laughs> like I nearly died, but who cares? And like
3: some of the some of the like the music and stuff in those scenes yeah. is like really really like I- like not even. <laughs> I don't, it, not subtle, I guess.
1: <laughs> it's like at, at the at the very beginning, especially, it's like so like upbeat and happy. I'm like this this belongs in like a kid's like afternoon school. Like, yeah, it's like spirit, something.
0: It's like capering music or something. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: I, I don't maybe know.
0: maybe like 40 minutes of goosebumps, and then all of a sudden it turns into like freaking Nightmare on Elm Street or Texas Chainsaw or something out of nowhere, like kind of thing. Like that's not not exactly, but 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 that's kind of you know, cause cause it's like the, I did feel like stuff really didn't start getting in gear until about the the 40 minute mark, where people started getting getting killed and stuff like that. So I uh, I guess you know. Uh, the The thing that I found interesting about the actor, his name is Shingo Yamashiro, and that's the actor who played Kazo Hoshino, and I, you know what's funny? Like, I'll, I'm just going to say it because it seems like it's written down on the internet, and even in all the reviews I've seen of the film and the video game, they all sort of refer to Akiko as the producer and Kazo as the director of this documentary. But I I didn't really get that notion. Like, it seemed like Kazo was the one who was the producer. And I don't really know what Akiko's role is. But am am I just missing something that, that was communicated really early in the film and I just overlooked it? Or did either of you guys sort of notice, like, sort of what exactly their designation is? Because it seems like Wikipedia and tons of Internet reviewers just kind of parroting, you know, i guess wikipedia are just saying like okay well she's she's the producer and he's the director and i'm like he doesn't really ever direct anything you know like it seemed like he was the one kind of asking for them to to come into town and all that stuff that seems something more like the producer would do but yeah i don't know and and she's the one chastising the the reporter who's kind of like this prima donna you know so that, and that seems something more like a director would do. she's but also I, uh,
3: yeah, she was also directing the camera too. yeah, so. I,
0: I feel like I feel like Wikipedia got it backwards, and everybody just kind of parrots the incorrect information in Wikipedia because they don't speak Japanese, and there's only so many English language explanations of the piece or whatever. so there there's that part of it. but what what I was gonna say about the actor who plays Kazo, uh, Shingo Yamashiro, like, he's actually known for being in the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Like, he's in the the fifth movie, and he plays, like, one of the assassins that comes after Lone Wolf, basically. So I thought that was kind of, like, a cool tie-in. And then I guess since I brought her up, the the reporter who is basically, you know, I, she's a professional in art restoration. Like, that's what her specialty is. So not only is she kind of coming into this haunted house and being filmed like Geraldo, you know, digging up mob bosses or whatever, you know, like she also apparently can can help, you know, because I, I guess maybe it might help to explain, like some. I know when I first heard the term, I was like, well, I don't even know what the hell that is, and they talk about, you know, uh, basically a, a priceless fresco, and and what that is essentially is. It's it's a mural painting. I mean, it's a painting that is, is done inside a house. So the reason why, you know, it's it's not like there are these priceless pieces of artwork that somebody just left in a house to get dusty because it was a haunted house and they were too scared. It's like, it's actually a part of the, the mansion. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's actually painted on the, you know, it's like the Sistine Chapel, essentially. You know, it's painted on the walls of the mansion and everything. So, you know, that, that that's basically what's going on there. And and they're, they're actually there so that this reporter lady, who also happens to be a professional in art restoration, like, she's got this little vacuum where she can clean up all the dust and kind of reveal, you know the imagery that's on this piece that they see. And, you know, the, the initial piece they uncover seems quite happy where it looks like there's a family and, you know, a mother and a father and a child and everything. And, of course, you know, as, as the film progresses, it turns out there's actually portraits painted all around this room. And, and as they keep viewing the different portraits on the murals, they keep getting kind of more and more horrific from... You know, your your standard nuclear family photo that's done as a portrait. But the the lady who actually plays Asuka, like, I, I don't... You know, what's funny is I don't think I've seen enough of it because it's not really fan-subbed, but she's actually a sexy evil sentai lady, Justin. Did you know that?
1: Oh, um... She's, she's apparently...
0: Yeah, yeah, she's from Changemen. Like, she's she's Lady Queen... Uh, Ahames, I guess. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but she basically has, like, the the silver kind of outfit and the white hair and everything. Like, the, the only thing I think I've seen her in is, like, when I was watching Turbo Ranger because it had all those you know, historical kind of clip shows of all the different Sentai teams, including Battle Fever J. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it, it's almost like a clip show where it's like, hey, you know, the last ten years, the Super Sentai teams have been kicking the ass of evil, and, like, let's here's a refresher in, like, you know, two to three minutes of what each, you know, team did, basically. And so, when they get to Change Man, you know, the the Lady Queen is one of the characters that's on screen for all of like three seconds so i mean that's my only real experience with with her and apparently she doesn't appear in change man until episode 17 and i think they've only subtitled up to episode 9 so i i don't think i've ever really seen any episodes with her in it i can't imagine any english-speaking people have unless they just you know went balls out and watched watch the Raws and stuff. But, I mean, she's she's a nice-looking lady and everything, but then I guess she's definitely that kind of stuck-up, kind of, you know, pre-Madonna, diva-type character. Like, she seems to, you know, she's complaining about her contacts, and she's got, like, the little... I, she's sleeping in the car when everybody else is out trying to work and get permission to go into the mansion, and she's got the, those little... What do they call those? The little blinders you put over your eyes so it can help you sleep or whatever. The night nightshade. I I don't even know what the hell that's called, but you know, it, it just seems like she's kind of hoity-toity and everything like that. But as the as the film progresses, it's like she's the one who seems to be afflicted the most, I guess, as yeah. the, the movie progresses. Like where like there's there's a scene where I almost thought like she turned into like an old lady or whatever because she was in that wheelchair and like there's that one clip where she sort of screams at them and then and then it's almost like her hair went white and i was like wow is she just changing into the ghost or you know like i guess the idea is she's she's a bit possessed by the the spirits in the house and stuff like
1: that i think the first time i saw this i was kind of like you i was like this is kind of like this is uh this is slow and it's all kind of building up too slow but then like when oscar's like when she goes and like she digs up the baby's casket and then like you, you see it it's like you know it's just this dead baby it's kind of like half of its face is burnt i was like ew and then the baby cries i was like well, okay like shit starting to get real i'm <laughs> but, yeah but, but yeah, yeah she seemed like kind of like uh like kind of a wacky character in my mind and then it's like when she's in the house like the house is affecting her and she like you know, it's like you said. She she's like affected the most, and she like, you know, becomes like a really really wacky character. Like I kind of, you know, even though she started out, she's kind of like you I mean, like you said, a prima donna, and she's kind of snooty and snobby. Like at the end, like I kind of like feel sorry for her because I was like, oh, she didn't she didn't deserve to like, you know, an axe in the head, and then and then when we see yeah, it later, yeah, like.
0: I- it's, it's like one of those things, it's like the whole Chekhov's gun thing, where that that huge giant axe is, like, played up for almost comedy when it's first introduced. Like, the the, the cameraman, uh, Taguchi, comes in, and he's, like, dropping it all over the place. And it's, like, kind, kind of like, you know, I was saying how there were lots of false death scares with, you know, falling pillars in the beginning. Like, there were plenty of false axe- swing scares where it's like whoops i almost fell out of my hand you know and and basically then they all start chastising him like stop messing with shit in the house go put it back where you found it but like he takes it too literally like because it apparently it was up in some corner and like he tries to put it back exactly how he found it and i'm just kind of like dude if the concern is that the axe is going to fall on somebody's head, just lie it on the fucking ground. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't do that. But, of course, he doesn't do that. And, like, there's this, like, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird sequence because, I mean, I guess they try to portray the cameraman as somebody who's into the ladies. You know, like, he, he obviously kind of hits on the daughter, Emmy, and, and he's also hitting on Asuka the whole time that he's there. But, I don't know, I I, I sort of got the vibe from, like, other people that were looking at this and reviewing it, or, you know, the way it's written up on certain descriptions. Like, they kind of paint him as, like, this lecherous guy, and, like, I don't know, like, I I, I can see how somebody can can go there, but I don't think he, I I mean, I think if you just look at the facts, like, I don't, I, I, I can see why it's like, okay, maybe his advances were unwanted, but he didn't do anything wrong. It's just like, hey, you're cute, and, you know, Emmy's kind of like, I'm not into you. He's like, oh, you're so cold, and then that's the end. You know, it's not like he's, like, you know, shaking her or slapping her across the face or, you know, doing anything, like, particularly nasty. It's just he he came on to her, he got shot down, and then he goes on to to hit on the reporter, you know, and then the reporter kind of shoots him down, too. But when she's kind of losing it and all out of it, Like, you know, and it's not like he's going to do anything malicious to her. He's just kind of cradling her because, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to get you out of here. Like, something looks wrong with you. Like, you don't look quite yourself, which is the truth, you know. And and, then, unfortunately, because of that, you know, I mean, yeah, there's the sequence where, like, I think he thinks it's her or it is her. And then, like, she's what is she, in, like, the pool or the shower or something? I don't know. Like, like there, there's that sequence where he hands her the towel, and, like, to me, I'm like, oh, you know, he's just kind of... He, maybe he's a little flirty, but, you know, he's he's doing her a solid. You know, it's like, here, your hair's wet, here's a towel. And then when, when she pulls the towel down, she's got that, like, sort of those those eye sockets that are all hollow and blackened, and he's, like, freaked the fuck out and everything. So, like, there's... Like, a lot of weird stuff like that that goes on as well, where, you know, I, I suppose it's kind of like the same sensation people got when they saw Psycho for the first time. Like, you, you see a, a sexy lady like Janet Lee in the shower, but then it turns into this weird murder spree with a knife, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's like the cameraman's like, hey, there's this, you know you know, good looking reporter lady and she's got her hair wet and she's looking kind of sultry. And then you pull down the towel and it's like, Oh, like she's got hollow eyes and she's freaky looking, you know, like, like that kind of weird dichotomy of emotions and, and feelings and stuff.
3: Yeah. there, There was a lot of like creepy imagery in this movie and, uh, I was like, although I, I guess maybe I'm just desensitized to stuff like that now, but sometimes I'm kind of like, you know, it's kind of scarier when you don't see it. Like, uh, it was like, I'm scared. I was more scared when it was just like, a, you know, the empty door or the shadows on the wall, probably.
0: No, I, I could see that because the, the shadows were, were fairly creepy when they were. Kind of enveloping like the the household, and you you almost thought of the shadow as like a character. Whereas when I guess the 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 ghost starts possessing, you know, characters in the piece, then it makes it a little more sort of tangible rather than ethereal and stuff. So I mean that that makes sense to me. I I, I think we've talked about most of the main characters, that, and then this was this was going to be my big gag of the film or whatever. But at some point. Akiko has to go down to the gas station because they need a generator to to get electricity and and sort of power the house while they're there, you know, shooting and filming because they've got all this lighting and equipment and, you know, cameras and, you know, stuff that requires electricity. So she goes down to the gas station and there's this guy working underneath the hood of a car and then the the jack goes out and she kind of helps him out and then, you know, out comes the character Yamamura who is this kind of crusty old Japanese guy. And my joke is I kind of want to call him Japanese Charlton Heston the whole time because it's like he just seems like this kind of old, gruff, badass guy who's just not going to take any shit. And, like, so, I mean, I kind of thought he was a pretty cool character, but I I did kind of think, like, I mean, we've sort of already semi-spoiled it, but, you know, like, like we're saying, maybe 46 minutes into the piece the cameraman is the first death and he basically gets torn in half or or almost like burnt in half i guess is is what really happens and or melted i don't melted know melted yeah. in half yeah yeah and 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 so like you can see like his sneakers and the The ends of his legs on one side, and then you know basically everything from his legs all the way to like his upper torso gets melted away, and so it's just his head, his arms, and his, his chest, and he's like crawling along still, and I guess he's I don't know looking for help at this point, and so he he kind of is half dead and he's crawling after aska and and she of course loses it and like grabs a wrench and beats him to death after that so i uh, you know
1: that that's the kind of thing that like if if i had saw this as a kid like i probably would have died because w- when i was real little like i was really afraid of being like in the dark so like seeing a guy like being consumed by shadows and like the shadows like melting him in half like i probably like that probably would have been it for me like i probably would have never watched a movie again i think
0: I, I feel like, I guess that's part of the mystery, but I, I kept thinking there was a reason why that was happening, but I didn't really comprehend it, and I was kind of like, why? You know, like, I mean, it seemed to be a theme that kept coming up throughout the course of the film, where things were getting melted, and that's how these deaths would occur, or maybe after a death. Like, I guess in the case of Asuka, like, she does, you know, the the, the Chekhov's axe, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, she... she ...freaks out after she beats the guy, the cameraman, with the wrench, and then she's, I guess, in a wheelchair, and then she rolls into the, the room with the axe, and the axe comes swinging down and just slams her right in the head, and it's just like, oh, you know, like, that's gotta fucking hurt, and, and so she basically, at that point, she's dead, too... And then I think when they next find her, like, all the other characters in the, the gas station clerk, Yamamura, like, she's also burning and on fire. And it was just, like, one of those things where I kept thinking, like, why, you know, I was like, why? why are these people melting? Like, why are they, like burning after, like, is there some, I'm like, is there some significance to it, you know, and of course, you know, later you, you know, obviously we've, we've kind of gone through the quick wham, bam, thank you ma'am, spoiler but, I mean, it, it's actually directly tied into the whole origin story, you know, the whole furnace and how how the, the you know, young child accidentally was killed because, you know, but I, I did think it was kind of funny, I guess the idea is it's supposed to be you know, small enough that he's still a baby, but he could walk. So I guess he walked and was playing around inside the furnace, and then the mother turned on the furnace without realizing her child was inside. And then, you know, that that basically is what is being reflected. You know, the, these, I guess, regrets and pain and suffering and everything that, that the ghosts can't escape, so they're constantly reliving it. But it seems like they're also, you know, imparting that pain and suffering and reliving onto everybody who kind of crosses their path did you i guess i know we were talking about like the first like 40 minutes or so like i i think i kind of figured out who was expendable and who wasn't at that point but i i think after like you know it got to you know the the 40 50 minute mark after we had those two deaths almost like right in a row i was kind of like well man, like, who are they going to kill? And then, of course, they introduce us to the gas station clerk, Yamamura, who's giving us all this, like, exposition and everything. And I'm kind of like, oh, great, old man Yamamura showed up, so now we've got another expendable guy, you know? And and as the film progressed and he kind of, you know, imparted his wisdom on to the main cast of characters, you know, kind of, you know, the mental state you need to be in to sort of combat the ghosts and all this other kind of stuff. Like, I, I kind of felt bad, like, when he actually kind of gets it, you know? Like,
3: yeah. It seems it like he'd been warding people off from that mansion for a long time, but this time, like, his luck ran out or whatever.
0: So. It, it, it's interesting. Like, maybe, I don't know, if, if you got that sense, that's, that's probably cool, too. Like, I, I kind of wondered if he didn't ward other people off, and this was his kind of way to atone for it, but... I don't know. Like, yeah, that. I guess we don't know the exact backstory.
3: <laughs> the one part I found funny with him was like after like the 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 uh like pressure, the air pressure like lift thing like breaks and like the car is like crushing him, and then like you know uh, A- Aki like saves him and, like, she's, is like, a near-death situation, he's breathing hard and stuff, and then it just cuts to a shot of him, like, standing near his gas pumps and stuff, like, smoking a cigarette or something, like, I don't know, it was just a funny cut.
0: Well, like that, that's kind of why I thought, like, I, my joke was he was, like, the Charlton Heston, the Japanese Charlton Heston, because it was, like, it's, like, he almost got, you know, crushed by a car, but then the next, Shot. It's like it hasn't really phased them. Like he's like, I've been through worse shit than that. You know, I'm all, I'm fine now. Like we can keep going or whatever. And and that's kind of why it seemed like he, he was kind of like a no nonsense kind of character. You know, he he kind of chastises Kazo. You know, to a degree. You know what's interesting too is I I did kind of think even without all the the backstory and turmoil of these sort of incensed ghosts and everything in this mansion like. I, I thought to myself, like, I, I was like, man, even if I wasn't a fucking ghost, like, the way Emmy is portrayed, like, it's like, she seems like she's a little older, like, to me, but she's played as kind of, like, a young, free-spirited kid, basically, and, like, I was just kind of thinking, like, you know, she comes in, she fucks around with the camera and burns up photos and there's like jumping around on the fucking beds, and the feathers are going all over the place. Like, I was like, even if I wasn't a ghost, I would have been like, hey, what the fuck are you doing in my bed? You know? Like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Like, so, there was there was that kind of aspect to it, where I was kind of like, you know, I, I'm like, no wonder, like, even all, you know, even at the beginning when I didn't know the backstory, I'm like, no wonder the ghosts are, like, coming after these people. They're
2: fucking up their house. <laughs> you
0: would have been to the ghost like, you can have
3: her. Like, I'm leaving. Like, <laughs>
0: You know, like that. The, there's there, there there could be at least a rationale or reason why a ghost was was coming after you. You know, because you're you're messing with their shit. You know, so yeah. I mean, I, but but I I am glad that I got to watch this because I I think the the thing I found interesting was kind of all the backstory to the film that it was sort of I, I guess there's some you can't point to which came first, but it looks like most people consider the video game, a, a movie tie-in to this film. Like, that they were both being made at the same time, and they sort of were planned to be released correspondingly. And, you know, I did watch some reviews and and playthrough of the game, which is kind of like a an RPG, kind of like Final Fantasy or something like that. But I guess they kind of point to it as maybe, like, the first survivalist horror video game, like, for the Famicom or whatever. And, uh, you know, I guess this is something that was obviously never released in the U.S., because back in 1989, Nintendo probably wouldn't want guys with, you know, split torsos running around, you know, you killed me,
2: uh, you know,
0: and all that kind of stuff. And little, little kid corpses that, like Justin was describing before, you know, that kind of imagery is also in this video game. But the other thing that kind of cracked me up is it, it took me a little while to acclimate myself to the, the graphics. You know, it kind of has that old school, like, Final Fantasy 1, 2 kind of overhead view, kind of like you're in, you know, that that kind of... yeah. You know, and, and you've got the same almost cast of characters, like you've got this team of five folks or whatever... And, like, when I was first looking at it, it took me a while to sort of put it all together, because I'm like, well, who the fuck's supposed to be who? And, And I did some reading, and they talked about how Akiko is, you know, in that more of, like, a nurse, like, where she she tries to, you know, heal people that are hurt in battle and stuff like that. So I could pick her out right away because she was kind of, like, in white and she had the little cross on, you know, the red cross. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's Akiko. But then I was trying to look at other characters to figure out who they were supposed to be. And it took me a minute to, like, make the connection of, oh, that's a vacuum. And that lady with the vacuum is actually... Asuka, you know, like, and I, I was just kind of like, it, it just took me a while to sort of put together, and I'm like, oh, that little kid with the, the key wagging back and forth, I guess, you know, Emmy is the kid with the key, so like her, you know, I, get, I guess basically this, you know, I, I, I don't think we've outright said this, but, you know, apparently this video game was going to be remade at some point, but that ended up becoming the first Resident Evil game. So it's sort of credited, in a way, Sweet Home as being sort of the inspiration for the whole Resident Evil franchise and and having a lot of similar themes and the idea of, you know, having supplies and, and, and different, you know, things like, you know, I guess Jill Valentine having, you know, being a master Locksmith or whatever, you know, is the same thing as Emmy having this key that can go into any room inside the mansion and stuff. So that 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 was kind of interesting because it wasn't any connection I knew of before this. So this was kind of in 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 a historical sense with pop culture. It was kind of interesting to see sort of the origins of it and, and kind of what it led to because you know, I guess I'm more familiar with, you know, either maybe some of the Resident Evil movies or, you know, Marvel versus Capcom, Jill Valentine or, you know, the, the whole, you know, Resident Evil 4, 5, 6, you know, the, like what the franchise became. But it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, basically a, a, a haunted house movie like the film from 1963 kind of rolled into this Japanese haunted house film, which kind of rolled into a video game, which turned into Resident Evil. It's kind of like when you hear like the same story that inspired Psycho was the same story that inspired. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you're like well, whoa those are two totally like I mean yeah it's about a crazy family that murders people but I mean they're so totally divergent stories you're like but it was inspired by the same incident you know and and so it's kind of interesting how you know something like that where you're like oh yeah well the haunting and and resident evil like that those don't really fit together but somehow they do you know
1: I think the interesting thing is like it's it's still like influencing resident evil like the demo for resident evil 7 like it has like a film crew like exploring an abandoned house and there's like a like a weird like uh like like a female ghost or something And like it seems like it's kind of like going you know, like going back to its uh genesis almost
0: yeah like they're kind of going back to their roots and everything trying to to re-examine what what made the the franchise popular in the first place that's that's kind of cool like i guess it's it's kind of like uh, almost like a tribute series or a tribute game you know to to i guess the original game
1: yeah and like it like to like to go off on a tangent like if that's the case like i'll I'll be happy like i like i've played in B5 and beat five and six and they're they're okay but like they're more like, action-oriented, like, I wouldn't call the new Resident Evil game survival horror at all, it's, like, you know, when you have, like, a a driving stage, like, where you're, like, driving a car, like, in China, or you're flying, like, a helicopter, I'm, like, that's, that's not Resident Evil, like, get get rid of all that nonsense, like, get rid of, like, all the, like, easily found ammo, and, like, you know, make it, like, difficult again, like, the first few games, like, that's, that's what I would like, but you know,
0: I I, I can get your back on that because I'm I'm kind of the opposite where like I hate that survival horror stuff where I'm like wait you mean I gotta keep track of like my bin and how many fucking matches I have because <laughs> if I don't have the right number of matches I can't light the lamp that lets me into the room with I the remember. keyhole I. I, that's that's why I love Resident Evil 4 because it's just like dude you can't even fall off a fucking plank you get on the plank you press the fucking button and he just Leon just fucking jumps over and there's none of this fucking like whoops I I jumped too short stopped and i fell off into the pond my
3: friends has like a fam- infamous story among like our friends where he's like you know like when he's playing when he was playing the first resident evil like he ran out of ammo like right at the final boss so and like the save point was like before he had gotten more ammo so he had to like beat the final boss with just a knife <laughs> which took him like forever <laughs> basically so That's
0: funny, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, I I guess what I was curious about, too, is, and and this kind of takes me back a little bit, too, is, obviously, just like we were talking about, like, there was never an official DVD or Blu-ray release of the Sweet Home film, like, obviously, the game was never ported over to America, either, for the Nintendo, but there obviously have been cartridges where people can play it on the Super Famicom. Or, you know, they they have ROMs, but they also seem to have, you know, basically what is known as, like, a patch, where the patch translates all the the Japanese text and dialogue and everything into English so people can enjoy the the story aspect and the mystery of what's going on because, I guess, you know, obviously you're going through the mansion, and, I mean, I think they kind of straight up in the video game tell you right up front, like, this is a haunted house, and this lady's a ghost, and she's going to kill you if you don't figure shit out and and, and get the hell out of there. And, you know, of course, the the characters are... You know, running around reading all these journals. But as they walk through all the the hallowed halls, there's like you know basically melty spots where they could get hurt or it looks like there are you know passages where they run into different ghosts and goblins and all this kind of stuff that you know they have to you know basically fight, and it's that kind of RPG stuff that I always thought was kind of not fun, but I guess to people that that review it, you know, it it makes it kind of suspenseful where you're waiting for a door to open and it's creepy or, you know, you, you you know, say attack and then you don't know if the person got to dodge the evil ghost or if they were hurt by the evil ghost and there's that delay, so I guess to some people they found it kind of suspenseful when they they played that game but I guess, you know, in, in me describing all that I guess what I'm leading up to is I'm just curious, like, have either of you guys like, I know Justin mentioned playing Resident Evil, and we're all kind of sharing Resident Evil stories, but ha- have either of you maybe played this with the patch at all, or anything? No. No. Okay. Okay. I just thought I'd ask. I mean, basically, I you know after I watched the film today, I watched a couple sort of behind-the-scenes things that I saw, and then I also watched a number of reviews. You know, to be perfectly honest, if, if playing those type of games, like, I know I'm not a huge RPG guy myself like usually I would have to have somebody who was into it to help me along the way you know help me play it or whatever or decide like what XP I get and all that kind of all that kind of nonsense, you know. I leave that up to somebody else and for me to enjoy, you know, the the button mashing aspect of the game or whatever. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of simple that way. But if but if, I was
3: gonna say, if anything, I'd probably just look up a playthrough on YouTube and watch that. So yeah,
0: yeah. Well, one, there's no shortage of those, and there's also no shortage of actual reviews on the game, like, I mean, I, it's not like the Angry Video Game Nerd reviewed it, but I, I watched one that was pretty good. It was a guy that, I guess his show was called Obscure Reviews, so it's the first time I would ever run into it, but I did watch that, and thought his review, like, I guess he reviewed the game, and then he reviewed the, or, or he reviewed the film, and then he reviewed the game. So, so it was like a two-part type thing, but I, I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And then and then after that I just kept running into different reviews on the game and everything. And it was kind of interesting seeing different people's takes on it. Cuz some people seemed to really like the film and really like the game, and other people, like I mentioned, some people were critical of the film especially as to it maybe spoiling the game, you know, like that they thought the game was a lot more they they seemed to rave about the 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 play dynamics of the game and how it inspired Resident Evil and and they just love that aspect to it but not not the movie so much but i mean i i'm i'm kind of glad i watched the movie i mean like i said it was a little slow to get started and and you know i'm just being honest i did get a little antsy within that first 40 minutes like i think i was i was i was intently concentrating for maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes and after i had so many false scares i think that kind of lulled me into like a false sense of security where I was just kind of like, Oh man, nothing's going to happen to these fucking people. Like, what is this goosebumps? Like, you know, nothing's, you know, I was like, nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like it really did. Cause I, I, I actually started to wonder, I'm all, does this even get serious? Like, is this just, you know, and and then when it did, I mean, it just really, really got serious. So, and 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 I think all the effects were really cool too. Like, you know, it seems to be like one of those films where, you know, it's like you you hear films like the special effects in like say Raiders of the Lost Ark were like tote like his his face, you know, melts and everything, and his head explodes. Like talked about in hushed tones and everything. And and I, I think there were. Effects like that in this film, you know, like we're comparing it to movies like James Cameron's Alien, or even like the the Twilight Zone movie, or or Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, I mean, I, I thought all the special effects were actually very, very good and very compelling. And and obviously, if they can evoke kind of a a creepy, eerie feeling as well, I mean, obviously it, the it's doing well in terms of the ambiance as well.
3: Yeah. I I was impressed by the effects. It look it reminded me of sort of like some of those like sort of lower budget like 80s like horror movies or action movies or even even stuff like, you know, RoboCop or Predator, like the violence in those.
0: Yeah, kind of that whole Verhoven type violence where it sort of almost comes out of nowhere. Yeah.
3: No, the funny part was like when looking into this movie, like I think I asked you guys like, "Wait a minute, is I was like, are we watching the original one or the remake? But then, like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's not a remake of this movie. It's just another movie called Sweet Home that was made in twenty fifteen. That yeah, just, I, yeah, I
0: noticed, I noticed that, and I was kind of like, because uh, when I was looking, you know, and uh, on all the the the, the write ups on the film, I was like, it doesn't say this was remade. And I was like, I wonder what Mike's talking about. And then I noticed like it looked like a Spanish language film, where like a couple moves into a home and there's some kind of like Slasher, yeah, thing it's like or some murderers or are
3: after them in some apartment building or something, huh. yeah. Yeah, that's
0: that's interesting. I guess, I guess it's just, yeah, I guess that's sometimes there's those films where it's like got the same exact name, but it's a totally different movie. So, so
1: we're we gonna be working together, really? Worst film you ever saw? Well, my next one will be better.
0: It's the Film and Water Podcast. The Film and Water Podcast covers movies new and old, classic, and uh, not so classic. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available weekly on fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. All right. Well, I mean, I I think, I I mean, unless, does anybody have any other final thoughts on either Sweet Home the Film or maybe the the video game before we kind of go into awesome thing of the week? Um, good
3: suggestion, Justin. Like, I was happy to watch this as well.
1: Cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it. And Derek should know by now. I, I would not lead him astray with one of my choices. So, like, put the on you for doubting my choice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but,
1: but no. Like, um, if you're listening to us talking about this and you're kind of like on the fence about watching it, like, you know, some of the other movies we've talked about, like The Haunting. Uh, nightmare on Elm street like i would even point to stuff like the the first two like evil dead movies like if if you enjoy those films then like without a doubt you'll enjoy this and like we said the first like you know 35 40 some minutes like they they, it is a bit slow and you know like derek said there are some like false starts fall you know jump scares like that kind of thing but like don't don't let that dissuade you like once you get into it like once once it like ramps up like it's it, like it's really worth watching like i really do recommend it
0: all right well now comes the time in our regular proper shows where we like to share with our listeners something that we thought was particularly cool or awesome in our week it could be a book or a tv show or a toy or something like that so i think what i will do i'm going to start with me And I, you know, since this is the the Halloween podcast, I just thought I'd share that the entire series of Tales from the Dark Side recently came out, and even though I should be working on other stuff, I've been watching discs of Tales from the Dark Side, and even just before we started the show, I was yucking it up with Mike that I was watching baby Christian Slater and Reverend Data on an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. And I, I'm kind of getting a kick out of it because I, I think that was something where it was always in syndication and, like, you'd hear the narrator and it'd be on in, the like, the middle of the night and you'd just, like, freak out because it's like, you know, he has that weird eerie voice and everything. And, you know me, I like those kind of anthology-type things, and if you like stuff like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or even later stuff like Monsters or, you know, I don't know, Friday the 13th or Freddy's Nightmares or anything like that. If that's kind of like your cup of tea and and you were growing up watching that kind of stuff, like, you'll probably get a kick out of watching the the episodes there. And, I mean, obviously now it's at that point where it's a, a really affordable collection. You know, it's, I think it was like under 30 bucks and you get like four seasons worth of, of TV and stuff. So I'm, I'm kinda, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get through it all, but since it is that season, that time of year, I'm, I'm definitely getting into it and enjoying watching that. So that's my awesome thing of the week. And I see two hands reaching out to each other within a furnace So I'm going to go to my man Justin and ask him what is awesome in his world this week.
1: My first thing is an anime called Erased. And the story is um, basically it's about this manga artist. And he has the ability to kind of like rewind time. And like it's, it's not something he can control. Like in the first episode you see like he's walking down the street and he gets the feeling that it's about to happen. And what he's supposed to prevent is he's supposed to prevent this truck from, like, going out of control and, like, killing some people. So, like, he's he's always, like, kind of, like, inconvenienced by by this. Like, he's kind of, like, got used to it. He's like, oh, like, I'm going to have to, like, you know, look around and see, like, you know, what, what I'm supposed to, like, fix so that time can resume. But then, like, it kind of, like, from there it goes into, like, this kind of, like, murder mystery that, like basically when he was a child there was a girl in his like uh his uh homeroom class i guess and she was murdered and that kind of like it it ties i don't want to give away too much but like it ties into like present day events and unexpectedly he ends up like back in his like you know 10 year old body and he's supposed to like save this girl from dying and that's like that's basically the premise and it's it's a really great anime like, like it's only it's only 20 12 episodes long there's nothing like that ever like there, There's no episode that you're just like oh well nothing happened this episode like this was just filler No, there's always something uh, like that happens like it It's always like has my attention like I have really I really enjoyed it and you can watch it for free on crunchyroll Um, my second thing is I I picked up Sh Figuarts Sailor Moon. Um, I like Sailor Moon. Like I don't care what anybody says. You know, just as my brother got me into watching Dragon Ball Z after making fun of him for it, he also kind of got me into watching Sailor Moon, also after making fun of him for it. Um, but for, for whatever reason, like I never like went back and watched Sailor Moon. Um I have been watching the new series uh, Sailor Moon Crystal like I I've been watching that uh also in Crunchyroll like Crunchyroll should just like pay me like some money cuz I I mention them so often on the show but, like uh but anyway like I am really happy with this uh, fig Arts. she comes with like you know the usual like several different hands and facial uh facial expressions like right now I I have her doing her signature you know were after she's like transformed, she's like you know in the name of the moon I will punish you, and she's like got her hands kind of like pointing at the camera like that's that's the pose she's in right now. And sh- she also comes with uh, with her cat Luna. Um, it's a really nice figure. Like I'm I'm really happy with it. And like I-, I think I was telling you guys like I'm I'm like I'm happy with it, but I'm also like. I'm afraid that like I'm gonna end up like buying the rest of the of the Sailor Scouts because I'm like oh she's all alone and you know like I always liked Mercury and and Jupiter so I've been kind of like I've been tempted to like buy more but then I'm like if I buy another one I'll end up having to buy another one and then I will end up having to buy them all.
0: Yeah, it's an easy it's an easy rabbit hole to go <laughs> down especially if you have like team builder disease like myself so i i I can totally relate to that like you always have that nagging thing where you're like well i can't just buy sailor moon like it or maybe like mike's excuse like you know gotta have somebody for her to fight with right you know that kind of thing yeah so what about you man mike what is your awesome thing this week
3: uh like justin i have several things um i'll start off with the I guess the easiest thing to say, like, um, Civil War came out on Blu-ray this week, so I picked that up, and uh, I watched, me and my roommate watched it on his big, nice TV, and it looks amazing, like, on Blu-ray, and I I really liked that movie, so I'm I'm happy to own it. The second thing, uh, I got some new Transformers this week, Uh, Titans Return, like, the current line, which mostly focuses on like headmasters and like stuff that came out like after the movie and all that. Um I got Mindwipe, Skullcruncher and Weirdwolf. Uh I, I they're all they I well Skullcruncher and Weirdwolf have new names cuz I guess they lost the trademarks to them or They couldn't trademark their original names, but I just kind of called them what they originally were. But um they're really good like I don't know like it used to be that Deluxe's were $10 but now they're like $15 but you know when the toy is good I still feel like I'm getting like you know my money's worth and I like I like all three of them and um it's like you know I've got the 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 original like Decepticon Headmaster trio like on my desk right now and I'm going to I got to put make them do that like totem pole thing they did like in the Headmasters series or something where you know they all jumped on top of each other and they're like you know let's move like forward and scare them and stuff and then of course you know I don't know someone knocks them over I forgot how it went it was stupid but but uh, in any case uh, yeah the all three of them are really good toys and I'm I'm glad to have them um, and my final thing is uh I I went through the I I started and I finished the fan series Star Trek continues this week. And, man, I really enjoyed it. Like, they did a super good job, like, on that series, like, making it feel like the original, like, the original show. And uh, I think, yeah, like, Justin, you said you liked it a lot, too. And, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, that was a good, like, I I'd known of it, like, for a while, but I just hadn't sat down and watched it. And then someone brought it up on Bot Talk again. And so, like, I, I made the effort to actually watch all seven available episodes. And, yeah, like, it was really good.
1: Yeah, I'm usually not, like, a big fan of, like, fan productions. But, like, I really like this one. Like, the like I just watched a video last night where the actor who plays Kirk, like, he takes this, like, group of people, like, on a tour through the sets. And, like, everyone's just amazed. It's like they, like, open the doors and then they're in engineering. And, it like, it really does look like engineering. Like, they recreated, like, you know different like sets like the bridge the transporter room sick bay like and they all look like you know like it was it looks like it did in the 60s and like the the actor who, who plays kirk he talks about like you know finding blueprints and like trying to find like specific you know modern day items that like match uh, you know something made in the 60s but like yeah like it's it's a really good series so, like i uh I really enjoy like most of the episodes. Like sometimes the writing, I think, is a little like maybe a little too wonky or, or you know, or whatever. But, like I, I really enjoy it too. So like I'm, I'm glad you like it too, Mike.
3: Yeah, like I really enjoyed it, and I I think you posted it on Bot Talk. But I agree. Like what's her name? Uh, Elise McKenna is hot. Yeah. Man, like, like she's really counselor. hot.
2: Yeah. Like,
3: she was really doing it for me. Yeah. yeah. But uh,
0: I, you, I guys, you guys, you guys, go see her for some. Some one-on-one counseling? <laughs>
3: yeah, I guess, yeah, she's, like, uh, well, but I was going to say, like, yeah, like, even even if the actors don't exactly, like, sound like the original actor, like, like they put a lot of effort into, like, capturing the mannerisms and the acting style of, the, like, those characters, so it's, like, at first, like, the first episode, I was kind of, like, yeah, I was, like, oh, these guys are just kind of, you know you know amateurs like trying to do the best they can but by like the second and third episode i was kind of like look like, i couldn't make the distinction anymore like i was like that's kirk and you know spock and like all those guys basically so that's that's the jo- uh, the sign of a job well done i think
0: all right so if you guys have any comments questions and or concerns you can email us at at gmail.com. We are, of course, on the blogspot.com. We are on Stitcher Radio. You can stream us there. We're on iTunes. We'd appreciate any feedback and five-star reviews. It helps get the show found. In addition to our proper show, if you've enjoyed listening to this Halloween episode of Fanholes Podcast, please check us out. We also have tons of spinoff shows, such as Fanholes Toku Thursdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays, and comic books, motherfucker. Do you read them? So we hope, if you've enjoyed listening to the proper show, that you'll check out all these other shows as well. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek W.C., trying not to get stabbed in the head with an axe, signing
3: off. Hey, it's Mike, and uh, I, I think I should be okay without legs or a waist. Or most of my torso.
1: And this is Justin.
3: This, I was like, yeah, typical that a girl named Asuka is a total bitch.
2: (laughs) I hate you! I hate you!